You are listening to Flipping the Narrative. Come and flip with us. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome once more to Flipping the Narrative. I kind of sounded like Dak Shepard there in his podcast, right? I think I've been listening to him too much. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, we're here again to talk, you know, part of what we do is we tell stories and we let invite other people to come in and tell stories about who we are and for us part of our search to define who we are, which is that ever fluid thing, what is Filipino, what does it mean to be a Filipino today with a burden of history and the hope of the future Good Lord. and the present that's like a little bit what the fuck's going on, right? So, <laughs> anyway. It's a bit hazy. It's a bit a hazy. Bit. Oh, God. <laughs> so we've been wanting to have this guest for a really long time and so happy that she was able to find the time between making documentaries to join us today. And so, um, and she's just won a Peabody Award for her latest documentary. I'm sure everybody's seen it. Uh, it was a documentary about another one of our favorites, Maria Ressa. And Amen. it's called A Thousand Cuts, mm-hmm. which obviously references Maria Ressa's analogy of what was being done to her as sort of death by a thousand cuts, right? right. And so... Ramona Diaz, also known as Monina, to her friends. Hey. How many hey. cuts when you did that documentary? Were there like a thousand cuts? Did you all cut a thousand times? Uh, gosh, that documentary was um, actually done very quickly. Hmm. It, was, um, it was the quickest documentary. Oh, first of all, thanks for having me. This is really oh fun. Oh my gosh, thank, thank you for being here. We're so I'm clean. really unknown because I have no idea what we're talking about. But this we're is so clean. Um, uh, so a thousand cuts was uh, we were we did it so quickly. So usually I have a nine month edit, a nine month post production schedule, and that was cut down to like three and a half months because we got into Sundance and we had wow. to finish it right. We got wow. in with a very very early cut, and they said yes. And I was thinking, should we do it? And I'm glad we did it because it was 2020, right? January 2020, right before the That's world right. shut down. So we were still able to um, to show live, you know, to, yeah. to show it in person, which was so lucky because after that, forget it, two years, you know, two years in, some festivals are still not even opening up. Yeah. So th- that was really, really quick, really fast. They were so killing. I mean, everyone talks about that documentary. I was saying earlier for me, huh, for my kids, it's required watching. I was like, I'm terribly sorry. I don't care at the time. I don't care that you're 11 and 14. Pues. <laughs> This you're gonna think? know this. They were so fascinated. But I'm, I think for children, right? Our children in the Philippines, they have a certain sense, depending on the family, of course, depending, I'm sure, on, on education and social yeah. class and all this stuff. They sense it and then they kind of pick up their parents, ah, and whatever, all the stuff that we talk about at home. But they'd never until that point been immersed in a world of the storytelling of what was really going on. Like everything that they would get would be snippets from their titas or what we'd share, or maybe even the newspaper. This was the first world that they were in. And they, I couldn't believe that they were totally glued. 11 and 14 as in they didn't move. And then it was like, mama, I was like, yeah, no, that's real mama. (laughs) So so kudos to you. It was so, and, yeah, super. It really sucked them in. And I think that's important yeah. for 
especially considering what has happened recently, you know, and our forgotten oh history. Oh my God. Santa and I Banana. just, um, I was just in the Philippines for like close to, geez, I think fe- January, since January, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I was, I just wrapped on um, what we're, we're calling it the companion film to a thousand cuts. Okay. It's not a sequel because it's a standalone. You, 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 right. you can watch it without ever having seen a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. So I covered the elections. I covered Lenny Robredo immersively. And oh my gosh. Thought she was going to win. Right. Yeah. Right. And then everyone's saying you're in a bubble. You're in a bubble. I said, I know I'm in a bubble, but my God, those crowds, yeah. right. It was yeah. like breathtaking. Those crowds were breathtaking. Absolutely. So it, it was a heartache. It was a real heartache when she, when she lost. And I'm like, absolutely. I, I just, I, right now I still can't believe it. So I had to leave that country. I'm like, I'm leaving right now. I can't take it. It's really, yeah. It really was tough. Tough thing. We, yeah. we were talking in our last episode. I had to, a lot of my employees were like, Mom, parang may namatay. Like, I don't no, for know. sure. I still have, to, I still do a double take when it's like when they say President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. I'm like, what? I can't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I still, I, I'm still not used to it. Really. I felt that way about Trump. I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen as well. And when he won, I was like, get out of here. I'm never calling that man President jack shit it's just not gonna yeah. happen yeah it felt like hillary 2.0 for me because yeah. when hillary yeah. lost i was in my pajamas for like a week yes. i couldn't leave my house <laughs> no i really same was gonna win and so it, ju- it felt here. the same way that gut punch it felt the same it was the same feeling well let me i i so want to hear everything about like your process and one of the reasons we started this podcast right and why it's called flipping the narrative is because we were trying to sort of open up a space where we could turn things around difficult subjects, et cetera, et cetera. And flip was a, a slur right? against Filipinos back in the day. Looking at your, uh, your body of work, right? But what, I guess, what moves you, man? I mean, obviously with Maria Ressa, for me, the social justice aspect of it, I'm guessing was a huge motivator there, but why don't you tell these amazing stories na, that are so Pinoy to me, huh? Watching them, it's like, dude, that's that's the everyman story here in the Philippines. So, how well, like you- exactly when you say everyman, that's exactly what you did when when you know you you um, tailed. Um, yeah, that's right. Arnel Pineda of Journey, right? His whole exactly. his whole journey, so to speak. It was yeah. like the everyman, like you would never have thought someone like him would be picked out of like I don't yeah. know how many people you know, to replace yeah. Steve Perry and then tour all, all over the world with a legendary band, right? And you, you captured, I mean, we saw that, right? I watched, the, I watched the documentary and it was very touching and very human also. And you captured like what happens when you, when you go on, when a band goes on the road, it's not just like, you know, the hype or the excitement, but also mm-hmm. the insecurities, the fears and also the relationships between the members of the band. It was great. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I love that whole, um, that, that entire documentary. But so what are you hoping, like, Ramona, when you, when you start one of these things, like, what's the, is there a goal or is it parang, it speaks to you as you go? <laughs> it speaks to me as like, I, well, first of all, I'm attracted to character mm. and behavior, right? right? That's really what I'm trying to capture. Mm. And I, I think I'm always drawn to stories from the Philippines, like like for Arnel Pineda, right? It was yeah, so grab. unlikely, like you said, yeah. Bambina. 
this guy who was not even known in the Philippines was recruited through yeah. headline journey, right? It was incredible. But when I heard about the story, actually, the email came from Ninfa Pito. I remember that so well. It came from Ninfa and I'm like, and I never click on those emails like that, that, that seemed like forwarded like many times mm-hmm. over. And I just happened to, I did. And it, the, the email I remember was written by the consul who had given Arnel yes, visa. Yeah. Did you read oh, that? Yeah. It was the yeah. funniest email because Arnel ended up singing for his visa. And it was just funny. And then I sent it to my manager in LA. I said, oh my God, read the story. It's really funny. And then he sends it back right, the, right back. He goes, you should make this film. I said, ah, I don't want to deal with rock stars. You know, I, I just, I, I, yeah, no way. Uh, I'm, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Who, who knows? I said, Arnell may not even be a good character, right? He may be mm. a great singer, but whatever. Mm-hmm. He, may, he might be not a, a good yeah, story. Yeah. Interesting. Right? So um, <clears throat> he goes, no, 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 you should, you should. So one thing led to another. Suddenly I'm talking to the manager over the phone. And I'm pitching the story I do not want to make, right? But because you're there, you're, and I, I'm, so I'm talking to the manager and the manager said, um, well, I'll, I'll talk to the guys and get, get back. So he spoke to the, you know, the journey guys and they said, no, 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 there's no story here. Maybe next year. I'm like, next mm. year, you don't have a story. All right. Next year is the mm, second year. That's right, that's you only right. have a story this year because it's his first year. So I, then I felt challenged when they said that. And I'm like, okay, you're digging <laughs> yourself into a hole, right? Stop okay. it right now. But here I am. It's like this outer body experience. I'm starting to pitch. I said, give me a few days with the band and Arnell, and I'll prove to you your story. Wow. Uh, then he goes, okay, that, that's fair enough. Why don't you come to Northern California? They're rehearsing. Come, come with your crew. So that's what we did. And it was also my chance to meet Arnell. Because again, mm. he may be a really boring storyteller. And if he was, that's a, that well, film is a five minute, minute YouTube story, right? Yeah. But when I met him and I, I asked him, I said, so Arnell, how do you feel? And all that. Usually if you're really, um, if you really have filters already, you would mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, do this thing. And the first thing he told me, he goes, you know, I would just want to go home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I miss my family. Yeah. I want to go yeah. home. I can't. Uh, you know, because, mm. because, because yeah. I, I'm like getting bulul here because I can't speak all that much. And I said, oh my God, I love this guy. Yeah. And so <laughs> I ha- you know, then you're like, oh damn, now I have to make this film because he was just so lovely. He was, he, re- he could really articulate his inner yeah. life and that's what you love. That's what you want. Mm. And yeah. fame yeah. was happening to him, right? He was about to become famous. He didn't know it yet. And it's everything. It's all, it's everything that you look for in a story and everything I look for in a story. And so one thing led to another, we cut a, we filmed with them for four days. We cut a sample. We sent it to their agent, Irving Azoff, who's this big um, music agent in LA. His wife cried when they, when they watched the sample. And so Irving Azoff calls Neil, who's the leader of Journey and said, Neil, you got to make this film because my wife cried. Right. So oh, yeah, oh, wow, <laughs> awesome. my wife cry, you know, Make a spouse cry. So before you knew it, we were on the road with them. So that's how that happened. And Amazing. that was lovely. So it, it goes to casting as well. You have to cast documentaries. I mean, they may have a great story to tell, but the, right. the camera, because you use the tools of the cinema, the camera has to love them, right? right. Um, and uh, the camera loves her now. The camera loves Maria. Obviously, the camera loves Imelda, and she loves it back. 
I mean, they have to go back as well, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But they're all such different characters, right? And so compelling in their own way. Yeah, And kind of in a way, when you think about it, different facets of Filipino. I was going to say, parang you put them together like that, it really, wow, it's really the, our experience, the whole halo-haloness of it, no? Super interesting. You know, I met Arnel and I was such a freaking dork because I am really naturally. (laughs) He spoke at an EO event and siyempre si Laura was like, oh my God! So I was like sitting next to him and asking all this stuff. And he was so kind. He goes, alam mo, parang kamukha mo si Sampagita. And then this one gago na katabi ko goes, si Sampagita ngayon ha, hindi nung bata. Sabi, puto yun ako talaga. But I was like, I was just so kilig. I was right up front on the stage. And he spoke about his his story and stuff. And even just speaking to this crowd. And this was like a whole bunch of entrepreneurs who were there and just a gog, you know, totally entranced. So yeah, I see what you mean about that. Yeah, it was the right time to be with him that year because the next year his wife traveled with him, who's lovely, Cherry. But Mm. he already had a handler. He had his wife. He had Mm. sort of this um, entourage. It it wasn't a big entourage, but people were traveling with him. When Mm -hmm. we traveled with him, we we were sort of like, I was the only one, only other one who could speak Tagalog in the company, you know, in the journey. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he sort of, uh, he, he looked, he looked for us, right? He was, we were sort of his sounding board that year. Right. So right. that's why it was pivotal. We needed to do it Fantastic. that year, not the year after. Are what you are in you touch with him still? Yeah. Yeah. We're, I'm still in touch with him. You know, you know, the film has been bought by Warner Brothers and John wow. Chu is directing the, um, the fiction. Mm. So, um, that's so I don't know amazing. I yeah. have to wow. ask you something. I'm sorry, I, keep, I feel like I'm monopolizing this, but sorry na lang kayong dalawa. I mean, you know naman, if you want to interrupt, you interrupt. So here's my question. I've, I've really been curious. Now, you're a documentarian, so it's different. But I have really often wondered, Filipinos are everywhere, right? Like, we're like a rash. We just keep spreading. A nice one. But we're everywhere. Every cruise ship, every airport, every hospital, we're there. And it's long really bothered me na, but ganun, how come we're not represented anywhere? So like, you look at all three million seasons of Grey's Anatomy, and there's not one Pinoy doctor, parang dude, dude, yeah. where's this in the US? Who are you kidding, right? Yeah. The good doctor, wala rin. There's always a Korean. There's always, you know, an Indian, not, not Native American, not a First Nations person, but Indian American. Right. But there's never a Filipino. Recently, I've noticed an uptick. But I think maybe also that's part of the appeal na parang, shit, man, we can see our stories finally, right? But they are documentaries. And I was wondering, do you, why are we so underrepresented, do you think? You know, I, I, I've, all, I've often wondered that. I think it's changing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. especially with uh, people like Jokoy, right? Yes, Jokoy he has that new one. Easter Sunday or something. Right. And yeah. there are more film amps in Hollywood mm-hmm. that are breaking through. So right. that's, that's changing. But why so late? I don't why know. So I think we, they've never been able to place us, right? Are we Asian? Are we Exactly. Are we Mexican? Are we Mexican? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And exactly. we don't ever define ourselves, right? Yep. We don't ever do that. So I think it's been hard to pinpoint. But I think now more yeah, it's changing. Filipino Americans are leaning into it. More Filipino Americans are really claiming that, you know, we're, we're this, we're that. It's, yeah. um, but it and, we ex- and we exist everywhere. 
this Luis is actually Mexican. Also, he grew up there part of his life. And one of the earliest things we would talk about is also cuisine. Na parang same banana. How yeah. come it's taking so freaking long for Pinoy food to, to have a, a niche, right? Because I, nga, I have a theory about that. Oh, I'd like to hear I don't, No, I, I don't know if it's you know, a guess or whatever. I'm just a kuro-kuro. Um, I think it's because <laughs> we've never really plated our dishes, right? Mm. It's really we just yeah. make it come back on a plate and it's <laughs> never been plated, right? Now, the minute we learn to plate our food, then it sort of broke through. There's now a one Michelin um, restaurant in Chicago, right? That's, That's been right. Right. And then there's Bad Saints in D.C. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think it's changing because we've learned to make it. Is it that? I don't know. I'm guessing. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think it. No, we, we have. We have talked about that before. And, and definitely, you know, as a base, our, our food is not pretty. Right. I mean, it really yeah. isn't. Yeah. Um, so we have to dig into. Um, yeah, you know, to different colors and, 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 and other things for it to be much more appealing. I mean, everything's brown in our cuisine. But it is. And it's brown like, is what, Lou? What well, you trying I'm to say? To you, oh, when you ask what are you trying to, to say? I'm saying, unfortunately, <laughs> on a plate, when you put some okay. green mangoes on top of some okay. nice adobo, it okay, makes okay. the adobo look prettier. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. Fine. But uh, but it's, it's a, a little bit of that, right? Um, and it's it's a bit of the neutrality that I mean we are as well. We're talking about we don't we don't know where we are at, right? We don't yeah, exactly. assert ourselves, and and I, I think that's a little bit of of what happens um, locally. Fortunately, all of these sort of you know first generation, or second generation, third generation Filipinos abroad. Um, are now really trying to teach us back what it means to be Filipinos. And, and we or are to really at least early. love it, Deba, to appreciate well, it. We said that too, you have to leave to love it. When you're here, you hate it. That's exactly what's yeah. happened with so many things. It happened with cuisine. We talked about yeah. the Bessos when they opened Sandrion in, in, uh, in New right. York. In New York. Right. Yeah, right. They come back here and they fail miserably because we mm-hmm. think that that can't be Filipino cuisine. That we're horrible with ourselves, right? But it's the people outside that are taking iconic Mm -hmm. items of our culture and starting to hang on to something precisely because there was nothing to be proud of before or we were very neutral. And so we're now going back to trying to find um, sort of our foundations as people, right? I mean, we talked about this as a country. We were, what, less than 20 years and then we had a dictatorship, right? And then we had the dictatorship Mm -hmm. and then... What happens, right? So we have not really been a country, really. And here we are again, <laughs> right? Are again. Yeah. So, so again. yeah. But I like, there's something you're on. I like the idea of this iconography thing, but I know Ramona, you were going to say something. No, you know, I also find myself, and this is stupid, like if it's a more pricey Pinoy restaurant, I mind paying when I don't <laughs> mind paying for really pricey Japanese food, right? I mean, yeah. but why is that? Why is, and I'm like, no, 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 I should pay for pricey food. Pinoy food. I should, okay. but I, I mind it. I, and I think that's why it doesn't it, it doesn't hit in, in Manila because then you have to pay for it. But why? So you're, you're interesting so you say Japanese. that. I want, yeah. Yeah. I want to jump in here because right? this is such a challenge I've had historically. So we, I run a company that is Filipino but very high science. Not cheap, not luxury, but it's mahal because we do all these clinical studies and, and whatever. For the longest time, you know, we'd have 
customers na who's super reliant because they cannot use anything else. They have really bad psoriasis or cystic acne or contact allergies or whatever. And they're, they're happy because it works. They're also, it seems, happy because they're like, huh? Pinoy ba to? Right. But then, fairly quickly, less and less, fair enough. But then there's the pahabol, batang mahal. <laughs> I mean, like, because mahal pong gawin, ang mahal mag-clinical study and whatever, whatever, right? But then the funny thing is, then if we're seen in vogue or allure abroad, then, ah, oh, oh, then it's pride. What an interesting, diba? Parang all of it is there na. Um, and I, but I do, I really like, Lou, what you said, there was something about this sort of renewed interest in, or maybe trying to identify icons that we can hold on to. A more modern iconography, maybe. And I do really agree here with Ramona in terms of TV and movies and stuff. Yes. And even with food, it was so hard to classify us. Are we Southeast sure. Asian? Not really. Are sure. we Latino? Not really, diba? Um, but yeah, I, I think our halo haloness was a bit of a, it just was harder to pinpoint us, to put us in a freaking box, diba? Because we can't. I mean, we are all, we're, we're one and we're all of those things at the same time. Yeah. I think, right? And, and it works. But Ramona, me question. When, when was it the first time that, um, that you, what was your, the first story you told? First story, my first film? No, your first story. Like as a, as a, as a child growing up, were you somebody who told tons of stuff? Like what is the first time you said, I like to tell a story? Oh my God. That's such a great question. <laughs> I don't remember. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't very um, verbose as a kid. I wasn't, okay. I, I wasn't that kid who uh, sat in front of the class and was, no, I was always an observer. I was always mm. observed and I like being in that position. So, um, oh yeah, but I did tell a story. Okay. So <laughs> I remember, I'm not sure if this was the first story, but I remember telling the story. Um, <clears throat> so in the legal books in the Philippines, in the Philippine legal books, um, um, the first breach of contract case was my grandmother's case. So this is a story. Wow. She, uh, we, we come from Bicol. And my mm. grandmother, so my dad's mom, went to vegan, right, in those days, whatever, early 1900s, right? Went to vegan and uh, met a guy, met a man. She promised to marry. And mm. so she returned to Bicol. The man followed her months later in this boat with a dowry and all that. And my great-grandparents said, especially my great-grandmother said, no, 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 you're not marrying him. You're not marrying him. We never agreed, you know? So that guy from, um, from vegan sued for breach of contract. So that's a very first case of oh breach of contract. Oh my God. In the legal books, in the Philippine legal books. And he's a, he was, I think, an avancenia. So years later, my sister dated an avancenia who was like <laughs> one of the descendants of that avancenia. So that's my story. What? And I'm sticking oh to my God. <laughs> yeah. so that was one of the first stories I remember telling to my class, like in high school. I don't know why. I don't even remember. I don't even remember okay. why. I, but that you was... realize now I'm, I'm like, I'm like a dog with a bone. Now I fucking want to know what really happened. Like, <laughs> oh and what you does know, this I don't even mean? Know who won. I think he lost. 
I think he oh lost. I don't God. even know. I don't even, I didn't even get that far. Right. But there's so many, but there's so many questions. <laughs> like, was this, was this, was this then woman as property? Like, what was the, I'm fascinated. I yeah. want to look that up. Yeah, you I should look it up. More. The paper time, you so should look curious. it up. I think um, my, my cousins then, um, they were able to trace the actual document. Belling, they were able to track huh? it down, yeah. I should look it up. It's, I'll send it. And you're telling that story was what? You, you told that story, why? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Not context. Remember, you know what? I think we were, you know, I went to Assumption. So we had all this retreat. Yes. Right? And yeah. I think it was at a retreat. Oh, okay. It's all coming back to me. Oh, my God. So <laughs> Father Reuter was always the retreat. Oh, my God, Father Reuter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Father Reuter. <laughs> he was always a retreat master. Oh, my God. And I think we were sometime in high school. And then he pointed to me and he said, um, he referenced that, that case. And Ooh. he said, why don't you tell the story? And that's wow. why I told the story. So wow. I was like coerced into telling the story. Coerced? High school. Obviously, that's not one of the first stories I ever told in my life because that's already high school. Right. But I remember it clearly. Remember. Okay, so coerced, but then set on a path. Next, right? Yeah, naging, naging career. Storytelling. Yeah, right <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> yeah. the, the, what is how it? did the you choose film as your medium? How did you end up choosing film as your medium? Because there was, uh, you know, I got into photography first, like documentary mm. photography. I loved just going on the streets and, you know, we were, that was such a complicated proposition to go on the streets mm-hmm. when we were younger to just take photographs. But um, mm-hmm. it was really when I went abroad for, college right there was a and i just wrote about this because i just wrote the commencement speech um mm-hmm. inga karetnikova oh, wow. was my film teacher in a college mm-hmm. and she was the one who really turned me on to film she taught me how to see right nice. she yeah. taught me uh film language taught me she uh introduced me to the canon right yeah um Godard, Wilder. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Visconti. Um, yeah. She was really, and she was a wow. fabulous teacher. So that's why. And then that's how I got interested. And before that, I thought I wanted to be a photographer. Where'd you go, Ramona? For undergrad, I went to Emerson College in, in mm-hmm. Boston. Yeah. Interesting. I, also, I started in visual arts and theater, but went to semiotics. I did a lot of critical theory. So oh my obviously gosh. a lot of film theory. I know. Weird. <laughs> No, that's, that's so related to film theory, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So the amount of reading for Goddard and Lacan yeah. and all of this yeah. stuff was... Well, wow. I was just in Paris, right? And I decided to stay in the Marais. And the hotel, I, I, and I fell in love with the hotel. I chose the hotel based on the name because it was called Hotel Jules et Jim. Of course. So <laughs> I was like, I'm how could I not? You have? <laughs> have you stayed? No, I would stay in that hotel too. If right, I saw it's it, right? so I love cool. Yeah, film. and I just said, "Oh my, I love that film too." Oh and God. every day I felt like I was, I was in. You know, one day I said, "Oh, I'm Anukeme," <laughs> like dressed with the big glasses. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> just Paris does it to you. But how could you not fall in love with a film yeah. like that? You know, I mean, with a hotel with a name like that. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the power of film is incredible isn't it and and you know the way also you utilize that medium to tell maria's story and also um imelda's story and imelda's someone who loves the camera right she loves it yeah 
know, she was Maria approached person. it like um Maria approached it obviously like uh, as a journalist, as a reporter, and all that. She was very matter of fact. This is that, yeah. but Imelda like plays for the camera, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I think I we mean, have the singular infamy of making Maria Ressa moan on our podcast. What did she say? We have to moan. No, moan we together. said we moan have to mo- together. We have yeah, to she was a guest. And oh, was so funny. It was interesting to film Maria because she's a journalist. Because she's a journalist, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. Um, she always said, you know, I'm never, I'm never the story. I'm just, I'm the storyteller. Right. But of That's course, right. uh, you know, more and more as she got arrested, she, she was the story. And it was interesting to film her uh, over the time where she really got, I mean, she got time 100, she got time person of the year. And she was the, like, her star was rising yeah. internationally. Mm-hmm. And then she was getting arrested, right? So many times here That's in, right. in sure. Manila. So it was an interesting time for her. But um, yeah, because she knows story, it was also easier to film her because she knew what mm. I needed and she would give it to me um, in ways that I would least expect, you know? So it was, it was an interesting... Yeah, it was interesting to make a film about her. She wasn't really the center of the film when I began, you know, but she mm. became the oh. center, the center of gravity because she kept getting arrested. <laughs> and she would text me. I remember the first time, you know, she got arrested. She goes, um, where are you? You may want to come to headquarters, to, to my rapper offices, because I'm getting arrested. Arrested. Then oh. text. If you have time, thanks. I'm like, yeah, I think Mary I will come right now. That's so funny. And, um, yeah, so uh, wow. it, it was just an interesting time in her life. It's like catching lightning in a bottle, right? I would never have guessed that that was. So I always say, if, um, uh, you know, whatever the worst that your character goes through, so whatever your character goes through, that's not good, right? It's better yeah. for the film. Right. So, so the, the fact that she kept getting arrested is better for the film, but not necessarily good for her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like for example, Arnel Pineda, if he had failed, it would have been better for the film because how do you then yeah. overcome failure? That's a really interesting but he's yeah, of course. right. So what and it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily jive. But there's Ramona on the side kicking down the mic stand though. <laughs> <laughs> lose your voice lose your voice here drink this masarap <laughs> yan and but, then okay. you also did the thing about the Pinoy teachers going to Baltimore that's a completely right, different learning. story as well no? yeah but that's equally a, compelling yeah and that was really interesting because um, right after Imelda I traveled a lot with Imelda and I thought I'd wanted to, I, I just wanted to stay home, right? Mm. I, I, I lived then and still do live in Baltimore, long story. But I, when I'm in the U.S., I'm in Baltimore. And I thought I wanted to stay home. I really just want to stay home. And, and then I read in the paper that the public school system in Baltimore was um, recruiting teachers mm. from the Philippines. I'm like, to teach in the inner city schools, right? Not, oh, in, yeah. not in the burbs. I'm like, there's a story there. Right. Mm. So I yeah. started investigating, researching, and pretty soon they gave me permission to film. They were inviting me to the recruitment trips. And that's how that started. And then I ended up going back and forth to the Philippines because that, right? <laughs> it wasn't my backyard because I, I filmed them as they left. And then over their freshman year here in the, U, uh, in the U.S. And then when they returned at the end of the year. That was really interesting because I sort of had to, you know, I become friends with people I film, right? Um, 
So I, I sort of had to show them the ropes of life in America. Mm, because yeah. when they first, I mean, when they first landed, they didn't have a phone, they didn't have a yeah. car, they had an apartment, but where, how do they go grocery shopping and all that? Right. So I had to, mm. you know, I had to help them while filming them, which is really interesting. But That's now they're all, it's amazing to see them because now the, the children, the infant that I filmed in A Thousand Cuts, ah, A Thousand Cuts, The Learning, The Learning, right. um, uh, one of the teachers left her infant son, like a, a, over a year old, left oh, him wow. to teach in the U.S. She returns a year la- later and he doesn't recognize her. He oh, like pushes her aside. Oh, it's no. so painful. That boy is now high school. My God. Right? And he saw the film for the first time. And then Grace, his mother, reached out to me and said, you know, guys, you just saw the film. I said, that's great. He goes, he wants to talk to you about it. I said, fantastic. Oh. Let him call me. I mean, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll talk to him. Absolutely. And it was, such a, it was such an amazing conversation. He wanted to know why I filmed his mother. He wanted to know how I felt about, like, um, his mom leaving and all that. Wow. But then he thanked me at the end. He goes, I knew my mother made sacrifices, but I didn't know how difficult it was for her. Wow. And I, I was just like, oh, you know, it was, it was pretty incredible. Ay, Mona, what, grace, what an incredible moment. Because the, wow. the involvement that you have with these people. I have, I, so I'm curious, as a Filipina, you spoke earlier, right, about needing to leave Manila because of the sadness that they have the last elections. And I'm really curious, you live in the U.S., so you were, Raised here, obviously, right? Then you lived yeah. in the U.S. Clearly, your heart is here too, because these are your subjects, and there's so much empathy in your work, and there's also a lot of knowing. I think there's a lot of inside knowing, right? Which I don't think a, a third, like a someone who didn't spend a childhood here, would have, right? Yeah. In their view, but like, where? How is your heart <laughs> now? I'm I'm really curious in this. Because also being Philippine American, right? Like we yeah. had those years with Trump and then Duterte. And I kept telling people, it's like that scene in Chinatown where Jack Nicholson is slapping Faye Dunaway. Like she's my sister. She's my yeah. daughter. Like that's how I felt at every news cycle between Trump and Duterte. But yeah, I'm curious because unlike me, you get this incredible inside, but also observant view of our stories and what's going on with people who represent so many Filipinos. How is your heart doing? Are you, I don't know what is going on. (laughs) I I don't know yet. I don't know yet. That's why I think I left. um, I left a few weeks after. No, I think a couple of weeks after. No, Mm -hmm. actually I left right after I went with Maria to Tom's river. Cause you know, Maria is still part of this new film and she was going to Tom's river because the, her high school auditorium was being named after I'm like, she goes, That's why don't you come along? I said, yeah, I'm going with you. Right. I just need to leave. And then I had to return because there were other scenes that I, I needed to capture. Right. And then I left to, um, uh, with film independent film independent is this, um, um, organization in the USA. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I left to go to Nepal and, um, mm-hmm. Kathmandu and Kolkata where I am right now. Um, so I, I don't think I've really had a chance to, Feel, right mm-hmm. or to think mm-hmm. because I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have a chance once I start editing my film I'm gonna have to yeah. relive it over and over and over again so I'm trying to delay it um, yeah. 
Yeah, but I am drawn. I'm drawn to Filipino stories. I do have a love-hate relationship with the country, you know? Don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, exactly. And I don't know it's what it hard. is. It's hard. There are moments. Yeah, there are moments when you just love it and we feel so connected um, yeah. with issues that are so human and so profound and so deep. And, and it talks about emotions. And then in the same way, it's the complete and opposite set of yeah. feelings. Well, it's like this love thing. I mean, like when I land, I'm like, oh my God, I miss this place. I have such good friends. And my, yeah. Some of my best friends still live in, in, in Manila. Yeah. And I'm like, and oh many God, of your I friends from childhood, right? Exactly. The friends you've had all your life. Yeah. All my life. I'm, oh, I miss you. I love you. It's like having, and then it's like a, an ex boyfriend. At some point, you wake up, you're like, this is Palawai broke up with you. Right? Like, oh my God, we broke up. That's why we broken up. And then it's just, it's just push and pull. But, um, and then he shows up again. He shows up again at <laughs> your door. And you're like, get out. I know, and you're drawn back in. You're like, yeah. okay, I think oh we God. can make a go of it again. And He's so funny. You can be so good. How can you say no to Sanganisan Sinangag? He makes me he makes me laugh. Ang sarap ng pagkain niya. And there's so many things you don't have to explain. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. You see in the Philippines it's this. You don't have to do that. Yeah. There's comfort in that. That alone. Sige, flip ko naman kasi nga naman flipping the narrative, diba? So in the states, naman, I'm curious, especially with that all that. I mean, I guess it's it's tapered a bit, but the big rise in anti-Asian hate. How was that for you? No, you know, I haven't personally felt it. I think mm-hmm. I've been out of the country a lot, and Baltimore is not so, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I worry about it for my daughter. You yeah. know, I have a 25 year old daughter, and I worry about it for her. Mm-hmm. And she is, um, she's actually even stranger her not stranger then she'll she'll kill me if i say that but <laughs> she's nepali filipino who grew up in baltimore in a wow. mostly jewish okay. school okay so her, i mean her identity of course oh, i was gonna say clearly jewish school yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. um and i worry for her because she has been i think she has in a way lived mm-hmm. in a bubble right mm-hmm. and then she hears so much of the anti um of the asian hate so, right. um, yeah, I, yeah, I've been, thankfully, you know, I haven't felt it, but I know it's there yeah. and, uh, we talk a lot, a lot about, it. um, so I don't know. Yeah. You it's know, interesting. Um, I, I, uh, I read a story. I don't remember where I read it now, but it was basically the guilt that some Filipino Americans feel because they are so white identified. They probably also look quite white because they're mixed race or whatever and right. all this hardcore anti-asian hate is coming and all of a sudden they find themselves sort of going i'm never going to be on the receiving end of that because i look like the abusers right but that's my tita that's my ninang that's my mom that's my lola and it, it was an interesting article it didn't have a resolution or anything but it was just sort of tracing how Filipinos abroad who were raised to be integrate, huh? integrate, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, don't be like those other immigrants or whatever. When they realize that other people they love in their family are sort of the direct target of that. 
this in this question that comes late in life, no? Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, absolutely. It's scary. So where, where, where do you go, right? There's nowhere to hide. Where do you go? And I always yeah. thought the U.S. was safest, right? When Girl, I oh, what the hell? Jesus. Mm. But then what I think it also on? comes at a time when our profiles are also, you know, emerging, becoming more prominent. So, you know, I mean, they kind of go together. Unfortunately, there's the upside as well. You know, we're getting a recognition, representation and all that. But then on the downside, we're also becoming a target for, you know, for hate, yeah. which is really, really Horrible. SK also in the States, they really do tend to lump because Asians together. <laughs> you For know what sure. I mean? Like, SP, yeah. you know, even in Latin America, I was sharing last night, my husband's Argentinian. My paka weird din kami. So Argentinian is my husband. And his mom would, would in the most sincerely flattering way say, Porque los asiáticos son así. Tienen esa manera. Like they're, the, the Asians, Asians are that way. The, the Asians have, the Orientals have this mystique or whatever the hell, like, that, you know. Yes. And I remember I'm sitting I'm there going, if you yeah. think that the Filipinos are fitting that wonderful Buddhist, beautiful, yeah. whatever, that, that's just not us. Yeah. <laughs> We've got other great things, but that ain't it. Yeah. We're not that, right? yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. I really, I find, I find myself feeling very heavy, actually, recently, not just from the elections, but from the shootings in the States. This stupid war in Ukraine. Like, I just feel my daughter looked at me the other day and she goes, Mama, the world's broken. No, <laughs> it's like, it yeah. Is. You yeah. know, I had this really interesting lunch with an old friend in, in mm. Paris who, you know, we both worked, he used to work in the, well, he's still in the luxury um, industry. And, but he was just saying, you know, he, this is a very niche business. So he doesn't have to do a lot of advertising or whatever. But, you know, he says, I can't help but notice. The consumerism is still there, right? You still have a market, mm. you know, a very niche market of people willing to spend so much. But it's, you know, so that's one thing. I think you'll always have that kind of class of people, if that's what you want to call it, segment of society. On the other hand, you also have this like aspirational, I mean, and it's growing, right? An aspirational class that will line up outside of the stores. I mean, we saw this in the 80s and they're still doing it like outside of Dior and Chanel and all that. Lining up, especially now with a heat wave, and like really to buy a bag, you know, just and and you know, while a war is raging in Ukraine and you know, gas prices are okay. going through the roof. But I saw, I saw the a line outside Chanel in Greenbelt, wherever Chanel is. In. Also, <laughs> yes, Hermes, and I'm like, yeah. who are these people? Hermes, 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 yeah, so. there's no or, Chanel, yeah, it might have been Hermes, or Dior, but- there's Dior, yeah. There's no same, Chanel. same, but, but different. Same as, yeah. uh, as we would say in Southeast Asia, same, 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 but different. Whatever. But if they were lining yeah. up, I'm like, where are these people lining up? It yeah. was a long line. I'm yeah. like, mm. are they? Why and why are they lining up? So my recent, my most yes, recent rant, my most recent rant is this. In a nutshell, if you're doing well, maybe don't be an asshole. So this is what's happened. During the pandemic, so many businesses that maybe were not digital because they were small mom and pop like that got forced onto digital because lockdowns, whatever, whatever. So a lot of them used Google Drive, Yammer, Lark, Slack, whatever, right? Do you know there's like a wave? Everyone is ending their free services like this week. There were three companies that we used. They ended their free service this week. So everyone has to pay. And all I could think was, you assholes. Here is a, like a world in crisis where everyone 
had to go online and use your product. Had to. They didn't have a choice. Then they got totally dependent on you. And now you get rid of your free thing? You made it like bandits during the pandemic. Could you give people a break? Anyway, sorry. So it's my last rant and it's not um, related. But I had a moment. I'm like, why, why does everyone turn into a mean girl when they're doing well? Like, could you? Uh, anyway, sorry. Stop now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for attending my dad. Uh, and and on, the, on the flip side as well, don't oh. we love us be nice to just make sure that we squeeze out the last bit that we can of everything that is free. And, right? I mean, really? Yeah, can I get a? Yeah, I mean, we'll do, we'll do anything for we'll do anything for a free meal. We'll yeah. do anything for free tickets. Will I? You know, it's like it's horrible as well. But like, also, I mean, don't tell me, don't tell me that Google needed the money. So please, yeah. please. Uh, we're just talking about you know. About <laughs> we're telling right stories here. I mean, I'm Kuripot, <laughs> and I'm also I'm half Cebuana, so I'm really Kuripot. But don't yeah. freaking tell me so, that they couldn't. You know. Yeah. It's so funny, you know, I'm in this really nice hotel here and they have the best shampoo. Usually it's not, right? Then you get yeah, yeah, the yeah, best yeah. shampoo and the best conditioner, the best set up smell. So I've been, I've been ordering them it the first time, right? I kept it the first time and then the house, the housekeeping came and then gave me more. And then notice that I was keeping it. So they like stacked. <laughs> that's so Pinoy, like, right? Oh that's, God, so that's so Pinoy. Right? I'm like, so then they noticed that I was keeping it. Because it's so good. It's like, it's not, I, you know, when it's good, I'm like, yeah. oh, this is a good shampoo. Libre, just, your hair looks nice. Yeah. But yeah, it's Pinoy in the, host, in the, in the hotels getting all the amenities. So shameful, but you know. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's what us. do. That's us. <laughs> Not in all <laughs> hotels. Only in, in nice, you know, nice In nice shampoo. hotels. But we would yeah. even get the, the robe if if now you have to pay for it. So yeah, you yeah. Get <laughs> they'll go they'll go after you or go or, after your credit card. Or the classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? The classic is in the weddings, Deba. Right? It would be like this huge society wedding, these doyens dripping with diamonds like this. And they'd be like, waiter, waiter. It was wild. They would take not just the flower. I knew a beach wedding where they wow. took home the, the fish bowl. No, no, with the goldfish, which with was the goods. centerpiece. <laughs> they drove back from Calatagan or Tali or something to Manila with a bloody goldfish. But dude, siguro naman you can buy this in bio research or whatever, right? Un- Real, right? Like one of their diamonds would feed half of the province there. Just me. Ay, nako. But yeah, such is, such is the love-hate. No, and remember as, as kids, I remember yeah. you'd stay in a hotel, which was, which was rare when we were kids, right? And you, you, you couldn't, get, like, you know, when you'd all go as a family to Hong Kong or whatever, but you couldn't get anything from the mini bar because ang mahal ng mini bar, di ba? Yeah. Yep. For you know, sure. I remember my dad in Hong Kong would buy those grapes and cherries because ang mahal rin if you just get the ano. But after a certain time, you can't get the food from the buffet, the breakfast buffets. <laughs> so do you do you still keep your mga travel amenities that they give out sa airline? Oh my God, I don't know what to I do mean with them. <laughs> I yeah, I have so, so many. Yeah, I have so many. I really have to, yeah, I don't know. And usually I give it away now, you know, because it's just so much. What do you, you know, you can only have 
Depends what the products are inside, Bob. Well, this is too funny. <laughs> we're sitting here with a Peabody Award winner, and we're talking about, <laughs> talking about our freaking Well, but but again, such is the beauty of the Pinoy. Sa totoo lang, we're really like this. I mean, truly, like a lot of our conversations will span politics, and you know. I don't, Bambina yeah. and her writing has been wonderful on rape culture, which we do need to address. And all, of, and then Mama, yeah, yeah, we're so kuripot, we steal stuff from the. I mean, not yeah. always. You're right. I, you know, <laughs> Turkish Airlines, their their little thing is gendered. It's like it's it depends, and I I really like the male one. So I asked, <laughs> can I get the male? Because I don't like this, yeah. you know, the ladies one. They yeah. go, no, 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 you can't. Really? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, it is fascinating. The first time I right. ever saw that. I was listening okay. on the way here. I was listening to another podcast. I think it was Vogue. Really fascinating and how fat phobia is rooted mm. in anti-black racism. What? I've seen. No, that's yes. really, yeah. Think about I, it. Don't yeah. it make sense, right? Fat There's, phobia is rooted how, in how, how? Fat, fat phobia, phobia, fat shaming and all that. Is rooted is in anti-black racism. Let's remember before in the olden days or whatever, Renaissance and all that, being plump was a sign of prosperity. Being, you know, mm-hmm. like look okay. at Henry VIII, he was just gross, right? He was okay. obese and everything. Um, and then later on, because Africans, Europeans had noticed that Africans were, you know, quite were bigger, quite corpulent and all that. So they had to dissociate themselves from feeling any kind of attraction towards it because of the racism. Are you serious? It's, yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's so, it, it's so black and white, but definitely, definitely, definitely. If you were to do, I remember there was someone I knew who was working on sort of a history of body shape and corpulence and its relationship mm. to sexual desire and yeah, yeah. the the uh, no, sexual desire and and being repelled that that friction yeah, yeah, yeah. of being attracted to something you know you're not supposed to because they're supposed yeah. to be animals and less than and yeah. how that has formed a lot of our maybe not just fat shaming but a lot of our how we understand or how we what we appreciate aesthetically right um I was gonna say something else that was related. Walana, I forgot na. Fifty two epidurals. Walana talaga. It's done. <laughs> it's gone. That's it. No, but it kind of makes sense when you think about it, right? It's another marker, and also with in the U.S. with the epidemic of obesity and with black, you know, African Americans being quite on the heavy side. Like the the podcast also talked about um, Eric Garner and um, mm. George Floyd and all that being a little bit on the big side, right? So there's that pathologizing of, of black African men and their size so and how, somehow up. it's equated with <laughs> it's like boom, and boom. La- you know laziness, lack of discipline all that stuff but actually when you think about it it's because historically and genetically they're you know they've never had access to food you know especially the ones in slavery right they haven't had free access to food the way other people have had so well, and it's it's complicated like so further by the food issues. industry and the junk food industry exactly. and all the subsidizing yeah. that just makes it cheaper to yeah. eat shit yeah, yeah, but so hard yeah to break out of yeah. that right yeah. 
Access um, to good food, you know. Exactly. High, but nutrient. Um, exactly. Or nutrients. But then in Asian cultures, a little bit of, you know, half is kind of like still a sign of prosperity, isn't it? Well, is shit, it? not in Manila, man. I can't buy clothes here. Girl, please. <laughs> I go to Asara and it's a freaking, excuse me, Asara. La and it's a freaking <laughs> XXL. And I'm like, listen, listen. I'm going to take you outside and fucking hurt you because there is no way that that I uh, listen I've you know I'm heftier now I've gained weight in the pandemic but there's no way you're gonna tell me this is the largest size that you have in your store and it fits my calf bite me there's just no yeah it's just you know, so much smaller the Asian size super super my husband and my son like <laughs> buy my XL and pants or something like that they're like XL for what age? <laughs> this is really insane. They're so small. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do want to do a time check because again, what, um, Ramona, what time is it for you? Yeah, yeah. So we don't want to um, keep you forever. Yeah, I have a but dinner, I, but they haven't told. They haven't um, texted me oh. yet, so we're good. Wait, wait, yeah. I want to go. You've told stories, you've observed, you have recorded so many stories about different facets, not only of Filipinos as individuals, but as part of their lives, like motherhood. And you had a lot of this, right? And, and we're trying to sort of even rediscover if there is one such line that binds us as Filipinos. With all of the stories that you have told or you have seen, is there anything that you think binds the Filipino today? Humor. Um, I think it's right. Humor. That's what we think uh, also. Yeah, really. I think it's so it's so funny. That's why I'm always attracted to Filipino stories because it's funny. Oh it's funny gosh, as yeah. hell. And sometimes the the humor doesn't translate, but um, uh, it's interesting, like showing my films to a Filipino audience in the States, right? Yes, or film yeah. on, and they get it and it's interactive and they're hooting. Yeah. It's funny for them. And they show it to a mostly white audience. And yeah. um, get I it. think <laughs> they find it funny, but they're like a little bit like embarrassed laugh. they're not sure if they should yeah. laugh I always, I always plant people I'm like okay you gotta laugh so it gives them permission right. to laugh right Yeah, because yeah. they yeah. can't be seen as laughing at the other but it's right. really funny yeah. because right. I think I think that's what mine I think Pinoy's are funny and that's why oh, I, I like yeah. making films about Philippines they don't and sometimes they don't even think they're funny Right. Mm. That's right. I find them hilarious. You're so Especially right. Like and the mothers, and even mother in tragedy, you know? super, super. It gets us through. It gets us through yeah, tragedy. Yes. Humor gets us but, through tragedy. Yeah. yeah. But like, yes. for example, the thing, the one you did on the Fabelia Hospital, yes. this is yours, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what was there anything that you know um, struck you as being like quite funny? It, it's it's like the busiest hospital in the world, yeah. maternity hospital in the world, right? And they were women funny, of all sorts of mothers. backgrounds there. Yeah, they were. The mothers were funny because they would be so open about, um, they talked about sex a lot, right? And wow. then was, you know, that's what got us into trouble. We were here. <laughs> and then someone said, I love being in Fabella. It's like a, it's like a hotel. You want your, there's uh, hey, and all this. Kulang na lang sex. 
you know <laughs> I love it open about it yeah and um and their mothers giving birth right exactly it's like hey awesome. hey ladies that's what got you in here let's <laughs> but they would be and then they would um they would turn down contraception for example because their mother said you know that it will give you cancer whatever you know there's always a reason so but yet they talked about sex a lot it was really See, but you know hilarious. we're island people right we've got I this guess. primal urge or something so you can <laughs> centuries of Catholicism but deep down we're oh, deep down, like, man, being a, we need to talk yeah. about that maybe another primal urges and then I want to see that Vox article now I really want to see what did they say what's that Mamaya, kung ano ano na lang sila sabi. That's too funny. Well, can I say my my sisters in med school, and you know we grew up not extremely wealthy, but you know privileged. Like we're very aware of how lucky we are. Okay, but so her Tagalog is actually not as as historically not as good as mine. Mine sounds a little more like pangkalye, like that. I can kind of get by like that. My sister has that collegial lilt to it. And it's so funny to me to hear her talking to the patients in the public hospitals and having to ask him, you know. <laughs> so I won't tell them. No. But, but yes, I agree. Even in a hospital setting, even with people with like heads busted open, there's always humor somewhere it really yeah. oh i love that you said that because i yeah, yeah totally. i think um it's true it's what um it's what gets us through the night you know what i'm yeah, saying for I mean, sure yeah i mean uh, you have to laugh at your situation sometimes I'm, it's ridiculous yeah. the situation and you just i mean especially in fabella right there so two single beds put together and four women with their babies shared Ooh. that space. It's like a community, but they form this community where yeah. they share everything, That's including right. breast milk, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was a thing, but they would just, they'd share breast wow. milk, they'd wow. share load on their phone, they'd share the last diaper or formula. I mean, everything without See. thinking twice about it. It's really- See, and this is the community. stuff that makes me go, I love us. I love us so yeah. much. And yeah. the thing is, they yeah. were fleeting relationships, right? Because they yeah. never see each other again. Yeah. Yeah. They were together after giving birth for yeah. seven weeks because God they gave man. birth to preemies and they're there for seven weeks. They become God very God close. Man. Their promises yeah. of um, getting together, you yeah. know, well, of course, well, you well, know, they never will. Life will take right. over. So they're fleeting relationships, but they're so, they were so intense, those relationships. Yeah. yeah. And so kind. The kindness amongst yeah. those women were incredible and funny, funny, funny as hell. Right. Yeah, I love that. No, I think that moment, my my daughter, who I mean, my kids weren't raised in the Philippines, right? Except my younger daughter spent four years of high school there before going off to university in the UK. But I think for me, the moment that actually she was the moment she became pinoy to me was one time she said she asked me if I had pantale for my hair, you know, the rubber band, the band, the elastic band. But then the funniest thing she ever said, like a pinoy thing that she ever said, was. She was already in the UK and Meghan Markle and uh, um, Prince Harry just had a baby, right? So I mm-hmm. said, I said in our in our family chat with my other daughter. So, I mean, of course, I didn't know what kind of yaya that the baby had, right? But I just said, okay, 
first thing you think that the pinayaya would have said to the baby, <laughs> my daughter goes, <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, this is wrong. Oh my <laughs> God. Bambina, so, you're no. on a roll today. Huh? I want to see that <laughs> Vox article. I want to talk to you about this tropical whatever. Yes, and, oh my God. Are you snorting something? Where are you exactly? What is going on? Is Norris <laughs> getting to you? Parang you need to come home. Santa <laughs> Banana. Oh, Holy yeah. Jesus. Oh my but God. With, with, with bleach color. and whitening, you know, whitening yeah. makeup or whatever is also mm. very, very apparent here in Kolkata. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know? yeah. So colorism yeah. is such a big thing. Colorism here. is something I really wanted to oh, talk gosh. about too. Yeah. For so, sure. But I, 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 I it, it was so evident to me. I'm like, where am I in Manila? Because all the billboards are like, are you know, whitening, whitening, make you whiter and stuff, and that's the and language the that's used. Ma, whitening the Well, well, I don't understand that. Why is it? Well, I can answer that from a dermatological perspective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, people who itch because they're allergic to fragrance and stuff like that, they get something called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. We mixed skin, anything that's not basically Norwegian, right? We tend to hyperpigment. Period. So it can actually get super unsightly and very big swaths of skin that's not slightly dark. It's markedly, markedly, it's almost disfigured. So that is the case for some. That's extreme. That's extreme. um, More common than you think. We also see it under the Uh, bra. We see it in the groin area from underwear for contact allergies. But that explains that. It's obviously not the same as magpaputika para mas maganda ka. That's a Mm. whole different you know, and when we came out with a pigmentation cream, I was so adamant that we're never going to use the words white then because kill me, right? We can talk about lightening hyperpigmentation, which is the problem. It's dark spots, it's a ganyan ganyan, it's scars, mm-hmm. whatever. But we will never ever say you're going to turn, I don't know, from this beautiful kayumangi, whatever, into Nicole Kidman. I mean, <laughs> it's not, what is, I don't know, why would you even, I don't, you know, so, but that was a struggle, huh? When I started with that, the biggest selling brand was like, I, I won't nalang say which, okay, I'll get to. But it was, a, it was very specific to whiteness. Um, and it's definitely something I think we're really struggling with. Oh my God, you know where else it has become so popular here? Ramona, I really like you, but I'm so sorry if I'm like going off tangent here, but you're so freaking interesting. So check it. All this stuff in the nether regions for whitening of the vaginal area. All this rejuvenating stuff and whatever. And all I could think was, for whom? Because I'm... And and like, honestly, I've never heard anyone go, gosh, I I wish it were fairer in here. Like, I don't... Why are you doing this? (laughs) Because (laughs) I don't know what else they're doing there. They're a magnifying glass. Like, just get to work. Why are you observing oh, that's that? Thick, huh? you keep doing this. <laughs> because now that's another service is plumping the lady. Anyway, this is a whole different conversation about women and our perception of like, we have to be so damn, we have to meet some damn aesthetic all the time in our hair, our yeah. skin, our faces, and now apparently also our genitals. <laughs> it's nuts. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, but among gay men, there's also a procedure that's quite, you know, they talk about, right? I mean, Lube. cosmetic. 
<laughs> which would be what? So, yeah. No. Um, anal bleaching. Anal bleaching? <laughs> okay, it's the first time I've heard that. I'm learning new things, you know. You know, bleaching again. Uh, yeah, listeners, okay. to <laughs> listeners of flipping the narrative. <laughs> Welcome to our in-depth, insightful, profound discussions with Peabody Award winner. <laughs> Someone, yes, I cannot okay. believe <laughs> what they heard through. But okay. we know she's Pinay, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Pass the uh, test. Santa banana. <laughs> Holy kamote. Okay. okay. Let, Matt, me, let, me, let me try okay, to make back. sure. Boy, this is like herding cats. It's like herding <laughs> cats. But but honestly, that's who we are. Wala. Ganun talaga eh, right? So, but okay. So going sort of forward and, and you know, I guess trying to corral us as well. Because it is, it's getting there and you have a dinner, right? But I do wonder, like, as a, I find your position so unique because now you're such an insider. You grew up here. Then you, you were obviously very well trained in this eye, right? You mentioned your professor taught you how to see. Was that the word you used yeah. or view? Yeah. Right? How to, how to, yeah. Right? I think we have seeing films, right? Right. Yeah. So you have that and then you live in the States, but you're obviously so rooted here still. Yeah. So. I guess, I don't know, man. I mean, how, parang what would your dream scenario be for us Filipinos now? How would you like to see us in our own documentary move forward? Not naman the failure, which I know is more dramatic, but <laughs> happy story naman. <laughs> but yeah. what, I don't know. How do you see that? Do you see that as a possibility? And yeah, what, what story would you like, want to tell? What, do you, yeah. what story would you want to tell about yeah. us moving forward? Yeah. Oh, I don't, or are there any stories you, know, you want to tell? It's not really stories. It's really, I think it's really people I'm interested in, right? It's mm-hmm. the character I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And I always say, yeah, yes, I, I think I was, I grew up in the Philippines, but I was an adult in the U.S., right? So I became, mm-hmm. I, I did, my childhood is the Philippines, but I, be, I learned to really think and be critical in yeah. the U.S. when I started yeah. going to school, but. And I live, I've always lived within this sort of liminal space, right? Between mm-hmm. the U.S. and Absolutely. the Philippines. It's, yeah. it's, and that's why I think I keep making films about the country, about the Philippines. It's always a, a yearning, a kind mm-hmm. of yearning for the motherland, every film mm-hmm. I make. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's why I keep going back. I made a film about Imelda Marcos because 1986, I wasn't in the that's Philippines, right? right? Ah, um, and okay. and, and mm-hmm. so it always draws me back. And it, it is a very... It's a very interesting place to be. It's sometimes it is because then I get to observe, which I love, right? I don't have to sometimes participate because I'm just right. an observer. But it's also a lonely place to be, right? right. And that's why I tell stories about, uh, uh, about the Philippines. And like um, with Arnell, it, it was both, he was trying to navigate the American space, which is so interesting to me. Mm. It was his first time. And being in a rock band. Come on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A very American rock band, right? Like, yep. So that was to me really interesting. And also the teachers, suddenly they were in inner city Baltimore, not the picket fence America that they had dreamed mm-hmm. about, right? It was inner city Baltimore and not the population that they thought they would be teaching, right? Because it was mostly like black kids. So yeah. how do you navigate that? How do you yeah, and that was a very interesting space because they're both marginalized, mm-hmm. you know, like two like two different 
two different types of yeah. uh, people of color coming mm-hmm. together and you know that space where where how do you come together and find commonality and they did they did yeah you're so you you've mentioned being in a liminal space and i think to me that really hits home because one of the things i've really struggled with most of my life was not feeling quite right here because i wasn't i didn't quite belong i wasn't the right kind of whatever pote or whatever and then going to the states and being so clearly an immigrant and all yeah. of a sudden not belonging there the same way I should have. But also, I really appreciate this, this space of yours of being both immersed and involved in a highly personal way, but observing, right? Yeah. I find that such an interesting space to be in. And in many ways, I guess the Filipino moment right this second, and maybe that's why it feels so unmoored and unsure and scary is because it's is that liminal space. We're totally in between. Shit, Marcos is back, man. Not just Marcos. We have a triumvirate. It's Arroyo, Marcos, and Duterte. Parang, for those of us who were in EDSA and APC, it's it's surreal. It feels really unreal. But I love that word, and thank you for that, because that in-betweenness of those spaces, Mm. yeah i think it captures it yeah, that's, so that's yeah. actually a good word to use yeah and yeah. you know um taking off from that i also kind of feel the same way because i lived away for 30 years right mm-hmm. and there's already a kind of subsuming of your filipino nature mm-hmm. because you're negotiating spaces that are foreign from the way you grew mm-hmm. up and all mm-hmm. that and you're you're negotiating and fitting in and kind of making your own you know, you're defining your own Filipino-ness abroad mm-hmm. in a way. And then for 10 years, for the 10 years I was stuck in South Africa, getting custody, divorce, and all that stuff. It was almost like, yeah, go back to the Philippines. like this dream, right? Mm-hmm. Calling, luring you back. Because also I had to be realistic at my age of 50 to start all over again. Where do you go? I'm not going to go to, you know, obviously I could live in Spain if I wanted to, but I'm not going to work in a you know, a mango store selling something, right? Or, you know, like a pintero. I mean, you have to be realistic. So, you know, obviously in a place like the Philippines, there's a lot more opportunities and everything. And then you get there and at first it's like, oh, nice to be back. Nice to, you know, all my friends. I grew up here. And then after a while it's like, wait a minute. Why did I come back? You know, and then you have all these political upheavals, people, you know, coming out of the woodwork, back in, you know, back in the limelight. And you think, wait, wait, wait. It's like, okay, let's plan the next escape. So are we all in a relationship? Are we all basically saying we're in a relationship with with a very funny partner who has commitment issues and always lets us down? (laughs) Yes. Pero masarap magluto. Okay, yes. okay, got it. And also masarap feels comfortable. It's okay. that person. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's that yes. person. Okay, okay. But it's got so it. weird because, um, and you have to relearn. I always have to relearn to be in Manila whenever I go back. Yeah, right? yeah. Because there are certain things in the States you take for granted. They ask you something, you you say honestly what you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a massage. I got into so much trouble also with that, like being very kind of upfront and frank and saying what I thought. And it's like, and my sister would get so shocked and, you know, kind of see, you know, you can't do that. You really can't. Why not? Why not? Don't be the first movie. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. You know, I think for me, what, what, what that brings out um, and, and the reality, I, I, uh, there was a sort of documentary from Mexico called Hecho en Mexico. Mm. And it basically told tales of every single type of Mexican basically that could exist. And it was very interesting to see from a Filipino perspective hmm. because, I mean, we talk from the point of view of what we know and what we right. think is properly Filipino. But the reality after what we've seen with these elections is that there are so many types of Filipinos with such incredibly different realities that to get to know each of the stories and each of the backgrounds and each of the realities and the struggles and the humors and the happinesses and the food that's on their table would take forever. And, and, and if we think we're halo-halo, I just really don't think we know how truly halo-halo we yeah, are. Yeah, and, and that right. is why yeah. um, I think being able to pinpoint something about being Filipino is so difficult because you could really twist every angle at half angles and get Filipino-ness at 100% that is completely opposite to the next angle that you're focusing yeah. on. Yeah. And that's you know, what I think is so, yeah. That documentary, no, it wasn't a documentary. I think it was a film. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sure. Black films, Rainbow. Documentaries are films. Sorry. I meant narrative. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> traditional narrative. A whole other podcast. Okay. A whole other podcast. I meant the traditional narrative, right? Yes. Like, like plot driven. I, I actually don't know the correct term. I apologize. Yeah, but anyway. It's, it's um, fiction. <laughs> Feature fiction, film. Thank you. Feature no, no, fiction. Fiction. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, actually, if it's fiction or documentary. But Black Rainbow has been sort of in the news quite a bit. And it won the Harlem uh, Film Festival and won something else recently. And it's about a young Aita boy who dreams of becoming a lawyer to protect his ancestral lands from a big corporation. Mm-hmm. Getting it. And I mean, how many films do we know with Aitas as our central characters? I mean, our indigenous people are completely absent from the majority of our narratives, Mm. right? Even in our food, except for our textiles, maybe, right? Or like some bells or embroidery. We do not bring our indigenous brethren to the fore. When we talk about being Filipino, it tends to be, we tend to push them back. Um, I think that's a really interesting approach, Lou. I'd love to see that. What did you say? Echo Mexico, no? It's called, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's much, it's, it's, you know, again, you have like the rock star and the this and the that, right? But, yeah. but again, the reality is there are tons of us, gazillions, yeah. and we all carry such different stories. Yeah. Um, and, and, the, and I think what I wanted to basically underscore is that the meaning of being Filipino is so different for so many of us. That's and that's what, and yet it carries our lives. And yet that part that we think is Filipino makes us proud of, of that motherland. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. I want, <laughs> I got the sound. <laughs> we all had our rants. Okay. Yeah. So right, right after the elections, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Ilocos. I wanted to, I said, so I took the crew to Ilocos. We went to, um, we went to Lawag. We, we, we saw all the museums that sort of talk about the glory days of Marcos. They never talk about martial yeah. law, but it's really the glory days of um, Ferdinand Marcos, both in Lawag and um, the other one, uh, Malacanang. Uh, Sarah. Right? Uh, Sarah. Yeah, where was it? Lawag. Yeah. And um, anyway, there were two major museums. And then we went to Abra. 
where mm. uh, we met with uh, Marcus Loyalists, and they distinguish themselves from BBMers, right? They are oh. Marcus Loyalists. They believe in the Apple, in the in the Father, mm. right? Wow! And it was incredible to be amongst them because, first of all, and why didn't I think they were kind? But they were the kindest people. Right. They were the kindest people, and and they talked about an Abra that was prosperous, that was mm. such in the golden age, right? Yeah. Of Abra mm-hmm. during martial law. And I didn't know whether what Abra was like in the martial law. It could have been. Because I had yeah. no yeah. idea. So I had no mm. idea to tell them otherwise. But it was so, to, I'm like, wow, I'm living in a, after having been immersed in this pink revolution, and yeah. then yeah. you Abra with Marcos Loyalists, not even BBM. And they're yeah. not necessarily Duterte um, yeah. mm. followers, either. followers as well, right? Yeah. So a yeah. lot of them did not like Duterte because he cursed. It goes, uh-huh. you know, because uh, the Apo does not curse, right? They yeah. did not like that. They were really totally Ferdinand Marcos, right? And I'm wow. like, wow. They, like wow. they fight him, right? Wow. Yes. Yes. And, but they think that, you know, that. The junior is maybe, maybe him, maybe not. I don't know. But at least he's a Marcos. But to be in that space and you're like, wow. what they were so kind. They were so, I'm like, wow, this is really so complicated. This country is so complicated. Yeah. What are we going to do? What are yeah. We do? yeah. How do you right. unite the country? Yeah. yeah. And anyway, we said, we said a little bit about that. We said, hey, people who voted for Marcos really have the Philippines. I think in their best interest. Yes. They're not bad people. Yeah, you can't say, I mean, you can't can't say I mean, they're not bad. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, and you guys already know my, my, yeah, yeah. I just, it's a whole disinformation thing. I mean, I guess. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I can't, for me, global, I'm just, I'm so over it. I'm like, why, why are we, why are they not in jail? Why are they not regulated? Why, why is this okay? I don't, I'm so over it. But that again is another episode, and truly, I could just rant for hours. <laughs> they already know. I'll stop. Now. You and Maria. This information for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Before they regulate exactly. or self-regulate, it goes. It goes against their business model. You know. Well, yeah, you know what exactly. I keep saying. Why should they self-regulate? No moisturizer I make can bring back polio can overturn elections like like you know really threaten democracy i have to register my mess i get over it it's okay i'll figure that out with the fda i'm sure they can too because it's the news okay okay before we voted for yes 30 million right that's not that's not all this information no yeah and that's what we have to reckon with i think yeah okay anyway yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) well but before we close i wanted to just ask you have you read watched or heard about anything that flipped your world recently oh my god Hmm. i'm reading uh i'm in the middle middle of reading elena ferrantes um the lying life of uh, adults okay I love yeah, it because yeah. she really can write about the angst of teenagers like no one else, right? And uh, yeah, I'm loving this book. So that's what I'm reading. Yeah, right. but these Italian teenagers at 15 are like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? So sophisticated. No, but she puts you yeah. into this insecure world of the, 
of the um uh, of the teenager it's oh, she yeah, really, yeah. like no one else like she really puts you in that world oh i just wrote it down i'm excited yeah the i'm lying, so excited lying, yeah, and read the neapolitan cities yeah. also yeah lying life of adults is great right it's it lying years yeah. ago yeah okay yeah. top filipino food that you flip over favorite <laughs> pinoy food oh my god comfort food <laughs> um um oh the usual <laughs> Right. What's the usual? Uh, sinigang and pinola uh, okay. and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the comfort foods. Fantastic. Do you cook it? And I love pinoy breakfast. Only ah, like yeah, yeah. it's like pinoy breakfast for me forever. Right? Forever. Uh, yeah. I can eat that. Forever. And you know when I describe it to people, they, they look at me like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Eggs Super. and fried rice and meat and exactly. Like, what the heck is that? And oh, vinegar and the sweet sausage. And the uh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what they have in Europe? In it, it's actually I found it in Spain, and they have it in France also. Uh, Luis, you know this, no? The bacalao, the smoked bacalao, but the foie, the it's like the foie gras yeah. of yeah. bacalao, yeah. right? So but the Japanese the have it too. Island. The Japanese have it too. It's called ankimo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's called. Uh, uh, helps to have a chef on the show. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's it's cod foie gras basically. Yeah. Right? So it's fish. Okay. Cod I have, liver. I have but one smoke. last question. Wait, wait. As a Pinoy, oh, go, go. what I do with it? Of course, oh. because I'm a Pinoy, I don't <laughs> want it with melba toast and all that. I make my yai had to sinangag. <laughs> and I put it on. Oh my Ew. god! No, <laughs> no, that's no. so funny. So good. <laughs> I can't. I can't say anything because I will eat anything together because I am Filipina. <laughs> I really like mixed flavors. Okay, I do have one last question for Ramona, which is: if you could pick your top, top, top thing that you would flip about Filipinos right now, where we are, what would it? Be? What do you mean? Like, what would you like to change? Like the most radical change that you'd like to see sort of flip over in in Filipinos, yeah. either in the states or here. Um, yeah. Education. Education. Right? Yeah. And critical thinking. Yeah, agree. absolutely. Totally right? agree. Like, yeah. You know, I, I read a survey, which is so interesting. People were asked what they liked, okay, what they liked least about the Duterte years. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, not what they liked most, what they liked most. And it was uh, the drug war getting rid of drugs and peace and, you know, the peace and streets. Peace and order. What yeah. they liked least were the killings. Um, how, it's like, come how, on, guys. And the same thing. Hello. So critical um, thinking. Critical okay. thinking, yeah, I think, is yeah. key. You gotta... Question it, everything. Yeah, we don't question Yes, question everything. everything. We do question anything. Yeah, yeah you but know, it's also... You know, yeah. I really um, noticed that when I work with a... This time I worked with a local crew and I love, love, love them, right? Because it's yeah. hard to bring in... Um, my DP usually to a pandemic. Yeah, I get visas and everything. Yeah. yeah but yeah. they wouldn't question stuff, right? They said, mm. well, kase. I said, kase what? Right? Yeah. Question, yeah. why can't we do it? Why is it? Why? Oh, I love and they don't that. question. They don't push back. They don't, they don't question. And that's, that's what I would like to see. Yeah. I find yeah, that also yeah, really, I find that yeah. extremely necessary and also extremely dangerous to the powers that be, right? Because obviously... Well, that's exactly why they're, the, they're that's, whole, you know, they're not teaching it. But exactly. also you have an incoming senator, apparently, who got the most number of votes, who says that he's prepared for debate, debate in, in the Senate because of his arguments with his wife. 
And it's like, yeah, you know, it, it makes you, you want to slit your wrists, you know? Oh my God. It's Lord. a lovely country, right? It's like, this is why so lovely. We love oh this God. partner. He makes us laugh. Masarap magluto. <laughs> he feels like home. Pero gago Guapo din pa. minsan. Guapo pa. Guapo pa. Tapos, gago talaga minsan at medyo tanga. Pero okay kasi napakabait ng puso. <laughs> yeah. And you know, traveling the country with uh, Lenny, you really see that. Oh, yeah. You really see the kindness of super. The Pinoy and the beauty of it. It's like really, Super. they deserve so much more. More. Yep. You know, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. We deserve more. We're, we're such amazing anyway. people. Oh, girl. Okay. On that note then, Carmona, I can't All even. Right, well, thank you. This was so I mean, fun. Girl, <laughs> thanks for doing this. We Are you fun. just going to not even edit this? This is it? No, no, we'll edit <laughs> we'll, certain okay, parts, yeah. but but honestly, I think a lot of the stuff will stay, like including unless unless you say you're you'd rather not have the vaginal stuff in there, we can get rid of it. Uh, I'm cool. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it went there, right? So it's, it's educational, but I wish there were the visuals were the best part of it. <laughs> That's the best part. I'll tell the sound editor because we'll do a short clip to like whatever promote it. I'll tell him to include the swimming. You're gonna (laughs) fully sound into that. Now listen, you want sound if you want visual. (laughs) 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 Have a great dinner. Have a great dinner. You you are a grace. You're a grace and a blessing. That was the wildest, craziest, deepest, ridiculousest episode we've ever recorded. The fuck happened? (laughs) I gotta tell you, on the one hand, I love it because it is it is probably the most representative of how our like cocktails and hanging out conversations actually go. Thank you. On on the other hand, I I feel no small amount of embarrassment that we took this incredible documentarian on the most babaw, babaw. Bul- <laughs> vulgar ride of her life. I mean... Vulgar, hello, no. And it's, I just... Oh my God. At least I got Godard in there. I got Godard yeah. and Lacan and Film Theory no, in there. It's <laughs> actually super okay because, you know, a lot of the work that she does in the documentaries and everything, there's kind of a heaviness to them because, you know... Sure. Okay, let's go with that, Bams. <laughs> yeah, my next question was, am I a good character? <laughs> I know. Does the camera love me? Does it does love it? me? I think it does. Okay, okay well, I got to I, I one, don't okay. think she's considering a documentary about us at any time in the future. Damn it. I think she's actually <laughs> running away. I think she might deny knowing, she, knowing us at all. What I have to say is I am just so... But I'm, I don't know. I'm so killing that she's out there. I just love that. I almost feel like we have a really reliable, empathetic, intelligent, what is it? Voice painter, observer, right? Someone, someone whose camera I trust. Someone who's, Mm. at least there's someone who's really interested in what's happening here and can bring it out there. With such an insider's voice that's still critical, that is still empathetic. Yeah, and, and you know what I also like about it, about her, mm-hmm. her work, 
that it's, it also shows complexity of the Filipino experience and Filipino identity without resorting to poverty porn. Yes, you know absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I guess, what, is this what's going to save us, I wonder? More representation, more documentaries, more... I ask that only slightly um, cynically. I actually, I'm curious. But I'm, you know how we keep saying many times we're here and we don't appreciate what we have and then we go abroad and then all yeah. of a sudden we see it. Yes. And I am wondering yeah. if more representation, more documentaries, more of our art out there, certainly what I experienced in my company, Nabasta, it was out there, we can see it with new eyes, diba? Yeah. I do wonder if this is but, but a way was, forward, yeah. diba? It's a way that I think representation might actually influence that. Into yeah, the that's what I was thinking. And then that, yeah, exactly. and the people who are observant will say, oh, oh, that's a little bit different, but I think if they're doing well, then, then this is what I can access as well. And to change that mentality that we currently have, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And encourage critical thinking, I think. Yeah. Because, you know, you go abroad, like we, we were saying, and you realize all these things and you adjust the way you think. There's a greater openness to the way you think, right? Because you're exposed to so many more things. And, and then you come back and you find that maybe cosmetically, a lot of things have changed. The buildings, the gleaming buildings. Yeah. The companies that are there, the restaurants, the range of cuisines, and all of the fashion. But the mentality still, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's not changing at the same pace. I'm not saying that everything has to change, right? But there are obviously things that are holding us back that. Yeah. You know, What's, so my, in my old work, changed. in my previous life, right? Talking about liminal spaces, interstices, right? These interstitial spaces mm. was always such a thing. And in fact, a, a lot of my later work, what I really wanted to focus on was resistance in a new world, in post-modernity, which now, my God, would be resistance in disinformation, right? And I really love that idea. Na parang, do we even, Lou actually brought this up, I think in one of our earlier podcasts, we're so halo-halo, we're so fluid, we're so always in the middle of every society, right? We're not quite the ideal immigrant, we're not quite the local culture, we're not quite Kenyan. And there is lots of potential and opportunity in those hidden, in those in-between spaces, diba? Mm. And parang I find there really is potential still, either towards well, I think the pink revolution kind of came from there, frankly. These sort of in-between spaces, um, I think her work really is interesting in that I, I think there might be a compelling way forward for us as Filipinos to yeah. not look for one narrative, one pigeonholing, one identity, Absolutely. and work in those diba? in those in-between spaces. But, but, but for that to happen, Lau, we go back to critical thinking because I think we're in such a mesh um, that we need to sort of be able to bring it out, right? And see mm-hmm. clear thing. Okay, so this is cultural. Mm-hmm. This is societal. This is political, this is educational, this is, right? And how they interact. At this point in time, it's, it's really a mesh of things. And we need to sort of really almost identify these or, or we need, blocks of, of Or we of need things. both end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We need the, we have I, one, I think you're right. I think you're right. We need the organization. We need something to guide us for planning, i.e. like for education. For no, but identifying, it's all of this. Yeah, what I mean is yeah. awareness. 
Because if I don't know that I need A, B, C, and D, and right now it's just a blob, I can't do anything with it until I understand that that, that sort of, yeah. But moving it forward can be both in those more, let's say, clear spaces as well as those funky no, no, yeah, like, like, especially honestly, in the like her, ones, yeah. like her work yeah, and like black rainbow and things like that, that yeah. allow us to see ourselves. Yes. Sort of in a different in a, a mirror. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A little yeah, bit of distance, sure. but not from absolutely. an outsider's lens. Yes. Yeah, no, it, you know? it can. It has to be internal. Absolutely. Oh, and gosh, without the arrogance of believing that only what we think is the truth. Absolutely. That's why I really like her because it's an empathetic observation. Eh? Yep. And it's such an interesting balancing act. She she does. She really gets involved with her like with the people. But she But that has she, to pull back for yeah. She yes. has to pull back, Deba. And she does so with respect, I find. Anyway, yeah. gosh, yeah. what an interesting episode, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for arranging this. I am um I am all of a sudden like my my brain <laughs> long dead brain cells are like Creaking awake, <laughs> creaking awake, like there's hope in these in-between spaces, you know, trying to refashion yes, hope. Yes, there is. It's always us. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you. Very well. Thank you, Bams. Thank you, Louise. Thank you. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Until next time. Next time. Let's, let's remember to have a good laugh. All oh, the yeah. time. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Amen to that. Which Babush. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, was it worth it? Did we work it? Put that thing down. Flip it and reverse it. Keep flipping with us. Subscribe to Flipping the Narrative wherever you get your podcasts to listen to our new episodes as soon as they drop. We are on social media, too. Follow at Flipping the Narrative on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think. Or send us an email at flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. That's flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. Music courtesy of Cumbia Mamacita by Yoki of Ozen Beats. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Josel Gaston, our sound editor and musical engineer and podcast advisor and overall guru. And to Nami Kapati, the artist who created our awesome logo and visuals. Till we flip again.